when I was a younger man, I remember having a really hard time with a sparring session. One of those that rack your brain and brush it off aside, like if you're just getting your bell rung. But we all knew it was a concussion or the brain damage we ignored. I remember the ringing in my ears and the tight jaw and the deafening feeling it left with me. The rounds hadn't gone my way and I felt flattened. I came into training the next day and I remember dragging my feet before my three-mile run pre-pad work. Wes pulled me aside. He asked me what was wrong, as it wasn't customary of me to ever complain in front of anyone. I explained to him with my head down what I felt, my distance from training, and the lack of desire and motivation to move my feet. The dizziness in my head was real, but the pain of my ego and mind and life were settling in. Was it even worth it if I can't spar well, move well, hit well? Was I scared? Was I brave? He told me in his direct and depth-filled words that nothing lasts forever. That there will come a time where getting out of bed, hugging your loved ones, training, fighting, and pushing will all be out of my hands. That life has an unbiased cruelty for those who live the hardest, and one day the choice wouldn't be mine anymore. That a broken spirit will be the least of my worries when life came knocking over and over and over again. Those words were told to me 13 years ago and they landed so viscerally inside the depths of my bones I can still feel the tears in my eyes that shed as then as they do now sometimes, maybe today. I think on my life and the choices I've made and I smile grimly knowing that the day I lay my weapons down and bow my head to the gods, I will only have one thing and know that I have exhausted everything. That if life fights unfairly, so will I. Training made me. It brought me my whole world. It has given me years to life that I expected to drift so far away from my fingertips that getting lost in a spiritual sea was not a novel, but a page in my diary. That no amount of pain, loss, heartbreak, success, money, stress, work, family, or love will ever pull me away from the consistency of the warrior code. I write this to have you explore the depth of your commitment to your weaponry. In and out of the gym, the battlefield, the trenches of anything in your life, during good times and bad, do you walk the warrior code or has life fattened you up just enough to let you slip away from Valhalla? And luck will often enough save a man if his courage holds. What's going on, guys? <laughs> I decided to start off with a fucking spear, bro. Episode 33, I'm MDLP. I'm your host of the Battle Axe Podcast. It should be episode 34 with the long forgotten best episode ever recorded that got lost in the series. Should have heard it. So it should have heard it. It was amazing. I should have been here for that one, but I guess we're on 33 now. <laughs> um, I'm here with my handsome Baron of the North podcast, Johnny Banks. What is up? Thank you, everyone, for tuning back in. I uh, honestly, I had no, <laughs> I typically start with, um, well, I would start with some of my own words recently and quotes, and I had written that to post it, but it didn't fit, <laughs> obviously, because Instagram limits your word. And I said, I'm going to use this one day. And I felt relative because we're going to trace back around to that. 
um, and I think we've done it a few times. Um, first of all, again, before we get started, as we always do, we will say thank you to those who support us. Um, of course, uh, Cerberus USA, thank you very much always for giving us that discount code battle and honestly taking care of me and my people. Med CBD, again, CBD products, you guys are local. Shout out to you guys. Bearded Villains 305, BB 305, whose world meet hosting is coming up next in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Super proud of what those guys are doing. Um, I will be posting consistently on my Instagram and them. Just the amount of years of giving back to the community makes me very, 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 very proud of each and every one of them being a part of that. And lastly, the Battle Axe Clan for making life worth living. Thank you very much. So we haven't done a Q&A episode in a little bit. And because you people are terrible people in general, you have asked the worst fucking questions. Bro. Just kidding. The Honestly, the best. Literal demons. Yeah. yeah like I, I am okay. So it's been a long week. <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, they're going to ask me like what kind of shoes I like. We get to kick our feet up a little yeah, bit. Yeah. What kind of dogs do we want to have? <laughs> and you fuckers decided to just eviscerate what's left of my emotional <laughs> grasp on the week. But fuck it. You know. Um, we will be going live um, to answer one specific question that I think is a hot topic in general mm-hmm. with Simone Biles, athleticism, mental health, something we've been talking about since the early episodes. I think we can attest to that. Um, I'm excited to answer that. I don't even want to say answer that question. I want to talk about it. Um, but along the way, we've developed some great concept. This is from you guys, the listeners. So big thank you for commenting, asking, listening, um, we're over 20,000 listens now, I think, something yep. like that, which 20, is 000. fucking nuts to me. And we thank you from the bottom of our wicked hearts. So um, we are going to touch base. I'm going to let Johnny. T- I did not look at any question except <laughs> one because, again, he. I didn't know they were dark questions till he said it. And then I looked at my phone and I skimmed it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. I was, I'm like, man, this is going to be great. Like, finally, a day off. Yeah. And, let's no. not, and then here we are. Tell us about the depths of your soul. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> First of all, I don't care about anything. Um, <laughs> so uh, just because I'm the most important listener, my questions are the best, and they're most important, and that's really a fact. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> I was thinking about this, right? So uh, my algorithms on like Instagram have been very much like self-improvement and, and all of these things about like making yourself better and how can you do that? How can you make yourself better? And I keep seeing, like, I'll get 1% better. And I was like, yeah, yeah, 1% better. Yeah, okay. And then I started thinking about that concept, and then I started to try to apply it. And then I just kind of found myself in, like, this tumbling of uh, completely losing my grasp on the journey. And I was just curious, like, what is your opinion on, like, how to balance the two, right? Because improving is what we should always strive for. But how come it's so easy to get lost in the improvements, right? Like, I feel like you're almost miserable because you're always trying to get better, that you never look at what you've achieved. At least I don't. Right. And so I just feel like maybe in, in maybe you have a better balance of it than I do, because I definitely do not. I'm either <laughs> all in or I'm burning. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't. First of all, I'll start off saying, but I don't necessarily think my way is a good way and i don't want to say oh if it works for me but i have given that a lot of thought over the years um as an athlete as a businessman as a general human being 
perspective of improvement is always seen as a movement forward, and we are we are guilty of saying that as a broad perspective on where you should be going. And oftentimes enough, and I've said it before in the gym, and I've said it many times, sometimes holding the line is improvement. Sometimes just sticking to the muck and the mire and digging down and analyzing where you're at. You're not going anywhere in any direction. The philosophy is forward because sometimes you do have to hold the line. Sometimes we said it. We have to dig down. We have to take a step back. But the philosophy, your drive, your general consensus, your northern star should always be a concept of forward. That two, three steps back is improvement because you're recognizing yourself enough to know that you have to take the step back. And that is a massive improvement. Now, there's a thin line between doing that and allowing that to start to generate into always taking a step back and always not doing something and getting fearful. Uh, there's always that end of the, of the spectrum. But mm. I can tell you and attest to myself when an improvement for me is calling a day early. Say, hey, man, I am, I'm in pain. And this is not okay. Technically, I didn't improve in anything physically. I didn't go up in weight. I didn't get my sets done. I didn't have a great workout. But I'm cognizant enough to know that I just retreated it from the battle real quick to fight on again. That's a sense of improvement. Number two, your consistency into showing up. Man, you're right. Maybe you didn't have five great training days. You had one, but you showed up for four. You technically didn't improve in those four days, but your perspective and the sense of your consistency and your discipline to show up because showing up is what champions do is a sense of improvement. And this is how I see it because there is no straight line. Nothing is you know, in this kind of singular path. There are times where you're going to curve right, curve left. I mean, look at your relationships. There are some days where you physically hate a person that you love, and there's two, three days where you cannot even look at them and then you get your time to think. And then you get your time to feel. And then you can get a, a grip of the earth and you're like, okay. Now, five years ago, you might have just set the world on fire and said, fuck you, and it's over. Mm -hmm. Technically, you've improved in another sense of direction. And sometimes they're parallel moves and move back. And you can look back. I mean, if you want to put it into something physical, look at your notes. Look where you were five years ago as an athlete, 10 if some of you who don't even have that length of a career, look at yourself in a year. Treat yourself with some respect. Coach yourself properly and see how far you've come. That doesn't excuse you to say, oh, I was really bad there. I'm never showing up again. But that there's a perspective of, an, of the word improvement, which is, a, like you said, a slippery slope. There's a lot of things you could be improving on that have no momentum forward mm. in the sense of that, like, that concept. But the philosophy is there. Sometimes you got to sail back, sail left. Sometimes you got to dock. Sometimes you got to hold the line. And you're still making a general improvement in character, perspective, courage, commitment, passion, intelligence, intellect, barbell IQ. You take a day off to analyze your lift. You didn't do anything physical, but you said, this is why my knee hurts. Mm -hmm. I looked at my last videos. Technically, you didn't improve in any numbers, but you improved vastly in, in, your, in your intellect and understanding of sport. You take a look at your diet. Your knee hurts really bad. You can't train all week. Diet harder. Yeah. Look at what works for you when you're training. And those are start to become the well-rounded of position. You know, you, you don't want to be the only person that swings a sword. You want to be versatile. You want to be hostile. You want to know strategy, moving left, right. You want to fight in the rain. You want to fight in the, and when it's hot. You want to train in different perspectives. You want to travel. You want to know people. And those are different ways of improving that never, ever end to the person that sees it this way. Mm. And then it becomes addicting.
Doesn't show in the stat book, basically. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna see, and this is what we uphold athletes so high. But we don't see, especially the greats, the little things that they've probably done in their life that have amounted such greatness and such points. The care, the food, the questions, the traveling, the crying to sleep, the avoidance of family events, the saving of money, the sacrifice, the physical pain that they don't talk about or if they want to is even better. Those are all improvements for the long run. Yeah. That's what just being easier on ourselves really fucking helps too. Yeah, it's not my not my strong suit for sure. <laughs> I just like I always think about that. Like I'm like I feel like I'm one of those guys that like I get to the top of that first mountain and I go peek over the edge. I'm like, man, that's cool. And then I start climbing back up again. Yeah. I'm like, fuck, man. Nah, I'm man. Like, but I, I got into this conversation with my 16-year-old son who was basically, we were talking about success. Mm. And, and uh, you know, he was like, well, I don't consider X person successful. And I said, well, why not? And he goes, well, because they don't make money. Mm. <laughs> that's, well, like, that's, cool, a long, that's a good one. And I said, I said, hey, man, you know, like, if you think that the only definition of success is money, you're going to live a long, lonely, miserable life. Right. And he's like, well, you're successful. You make good money. And I'm like, that's true. But I didn't make the money until I was successful with the things I did in life. Mm-hmm. And that was building my relationships up, getting yeah. at home. Character like, with yourself. Yeah. Know. Getting two really annoying huskies. <laughs> Three dogs. Eh? Oh, so much fun. And a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Self-hatred is the best. fucking love it. Um so yeah, I just I got to thinking about that, and I was just wondering what you thought about it. So yeah, I think we can openly discuss that success has a lot of you know like wealth and riches. I mean, we can get into that kind of cliche conversation, but first you have to educate yourself on the different variables and directions of what improvement really is, and what's it mean to you personally. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was looking at you. You just kind of mentioned this in terms of like. Uh, business success so we got a pretty good question from josh uh, about business so i thought that that we could just transition to that so he says uh what about the gym or the business is different from your original uh vision is the difference something you've embraced as a good difference uh something that you've learned to accept or something that you would like to change Hmm. that's a good question um like, it's like uh, the first vision was just a bunch of sparks all like, <laughs> yeah. out in the front. <laughs> yeah, you know, shit. I think that I, I've i gotten a similar question in some capacity where people have asked me if this is what I have foreseen. Um, A part of me and a, a decent part of me says yes. I did foresee success. I did see a good group of people. I had a good coach. I had a good gym when I fought. Um, I... Just talk about this recently at the gym. I don't, I don't remember, but I said I knew what it felt like to lose a good gym. You know, when I fought with Wes, we had a tight group. By my last couple fights, it was I was by myself. Actually, for most of my fights, I ran by myself. I jumped rope by myself. I set up my bags. I would do shadow boxing for an hour by myself. 90, 80% of it was by myself until we had class. And I had good, I'm not saying that I didn't have a good team or a good coach, but a lot of my training was by myself. Mm. And I would have here and there, and we had such a tight knit group, and slowly that dwindled. People would leave or get, you know, hurt or disillusioned. And at one point, I was the last one. I was the last, you know, war horse holding it down, the yeah. war dog, not letting it go, you know. And then one day that came to an end, and I lost a massive part of my life. I, 
loved fighting. It, I loved it. I was willing to die to fight. And I was willing to sacrifice my body and my family and my time to step in that ring, win or lose, and just prove something to myself and my, and my people. By the last fight, my heart was just kind of broken. You know, it was just me and Wes. I had really no one to spar, you know. I had nothing. It was hard. And I felt that in my heart. And I said, if I create something, I'm going to go down with this ship. And I didn't know of the extent of which it was going to be when I opened that gym. But I knew that I wanted to create something as close to or as special as what I had felt at the peak where people belong together, they stick together, they, they do it through hardship together. So there was some, like, in that aspect, I didn't know that it was going to be this amount of responsibility. And to be honest with you, sometimes I wish I can change that, that I didn't have this. Yeah. You know, it, to be truthful, I think a lot of people in these points would probably be like, oof. But I don't want to get rid of it. I didn't expect it. And cre- what it created business-wise, I did not expect to create something where I can just, make a fucking cut off shirt for guys and it becomes a trend. Yeah. But because people are just so into what we do and what we've done or getting respect from first responders or working with charity, that aspect of the business was unbeknownst to me. I never expected to do that. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't change like anything and I hate to sound cliche, but I didn't expect those things to happen at all. I didn't have an original game plan to be that involved in the community. It was more, it was like hardcore gym and, you know, kind of yeah. where, yeah, we fought and that was expected and to build that culture, but to build the passion, commitment and connection. No. And that, that was, that's been able to financially sustain me and my loved ones for the last, you know, nine years. No fucking way. Like I didn't expect that. Why the conversion to the community? What, what was like the, something that jumped out at you? That was like, oh shit. Yeah. I need to do that. Well, first when we started doing in strongman competitions, I always noticed they did stuff for charity. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, I was very gifted enough, you know, uh, Toys for Tots and Florida Strongest Man. Um, Melbourne had, like, a charity event. Um, the only money I've ever won, I donated, like, half of it to charity. I've won, I've, won, I've competed 19, 20 times in strongman. I've won 75 bucks. <laughs> um, and I donated some to charity. But I saw that. And like I said earlier, you know, I think a lot of us who come from a place of a little bit or a lot of it of self-loathing or Knowing what it gives back, what people, it feels like people give back to me. Yeah. I know that too, though. As much as I have done shitty shit and I may not like myself all the time, I've also been loved and I've also been upheld and I've also been helped. And I like that fucking feeling. But more importantly, it's like I'm itching to give back because I know what it feels like. And it's more of a pain, my penance. Like, it's not that I feel in debt, but it's like, I need to pay my penance. I need to do this. And then involvement with my cousin in the BV305, I was just like, I, this is my way in, you know, f- let's further this. It became a little bit more than that. You know, prior to that, like our first, you know, strongman competition, we worked with, um, it was a, uh, fuck, it was with uh, veterans and helping them find home when they come back, Operation Homefront. I believe that was our first charity. Um, I wanted to do something. Yeah. I wanted to be a little bit bigger and I knew that I had to involve the community, but first you have to prove the community that you're real. You have, you're not a bullshitter. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Let's stick to our guns and let's grow. And I needed it, man. I needed it. I needed it for my, the original feelings were selfish. I needed this for me. I needed to feel better by giving back because I've been, I've been helped before. My family has been helped before. I've Mm -hmm. seen hard times for me first. And then I saw one of the look of my guy's face and my guys and girls, when they would give back, how happy they got. And I'm like, 
this is the new addiction. Yeah. You, this is it. Like, I get it now. It doesn't mean I'm this moral compass, bro, sure. but I can do this. And that involves a community and most being involved and doing things you don't like and dealing with people you don't want to deal with Yeah, for the greater good sometimes in that sense. Yeah, I think that, I think that for both of us, it's kind of uh, peeled us back on the way we react to things too because now it's like, okay, well now we have to represent the community. <laughs> Which is fucking <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's been a... You know, okay. I was I was in a situation where after my stepdad passed away, mm-hmm. so my stepdad and my stepmom, who is still around and is still wonderful, um, they took me in when I was I was essentially like ho- homeless, but I wasn't in the streets. I was mm-hmm. just kind of floating house to house wherever I could, so they gave me a place to live, and uh, basically changed my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They took the time out to do this for me, and so. I made that promise to myself when that happened. Like if I'm ever in a position where I can offer a room to somebody or a meal, I'm going to do it. Yep. And I made that decision regardless of how that person would end up treating me. It's, it shouldn't change who you are. It shouldn't. And I am like, I'm not an oath breaker. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So like, I'm like, I promised I have to do oath this. breaker. Yeah. Yeah. And, hey, uh, I think I, I think it's okay, and I think it's very hard not to break a promise to ourselves. And it's really easy to break it, and it can also be, I mean, it just can, you know, when it seems you want to stick to that promise to yourself, it is a mission. Yeah. But I think people, I know, that I think I know, people can see that. Yeah, and then it resonates within people. Absolutely. I also like this other question from Josh too. Um, what other question is? All right, so I'm gonna rephrase this a little bit. Oof. <laughs> so he wants to talk about uh, a hard lesson in business, um, and I would like to ask it like this: What is the hardest lesson you have learned as a business person? <laughs> Um, well, first of all, disassociating personal and anecdotal situations or emotional situations from business because business is personal many times, many times in this. That's the okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I take things personally. I wish I didn't, not all the time, but a lot of times. And I remember always saying, you know, it's just business in this business in the strength community as a coach, as a as a leader, it's hard to disassociate personal and just business move. The hardest thing I've ever learned, and I don't want it to take away from any relationship that I have with anyone now, but I've had to accept that in the concept of everything is that no amount of good coaching, good equipment, and great commitment can keep somebody at the Battle Axe Gym. And that's hard to conceptualize that I, for the most part, and training is not everything to everyone. You see, I will burn with that gym. I will go down in flames. I will die for that gym. And although I have heard it many times, I've also been fucked by people who have said that to my face, that this is their life. They will never leave me. They will never stop helping. And that's not true. 
And it's hard to hear that nowadays and be like, I get it. And that affects business because that's not only money, it's how I treat revenue. And it's hard for me. The hardest thing I've ever learned is that in this business, everything ends. And when it comes down to health, family, money, I am not priority. Me, the gym, the culture, I had to accept that that is as real as me saying, I believe you. Yeah. And like you said, sometimes we make, as I said, I would always believe people and, and, and stick there. So I made a promise myself, but it's, it's happened. That no amount of brand new bags or having all the equipment or buying things for people and coaching them and bending backwards and doing all this shit, that's not going to keep money in my pocket. It's not going to keep that client in my pocket. Yeah. Business-wise, I've always told people, and it doesn't work in this business. No one can tell you, disassociate personal issues with business. That's been the hardest lesson I've ever learned, that I'm just not capable of that. I just can't. I can't not take that personally. Yeah. And I don't hold grudges and I can, you know, you know, eventually. But man, I've heard to learn the way that that just hurts me to the fucking core. Yeah. And um, that's been the hardest lesson for me to accept that every person that steps in most likely will step out sometime in that life. And I get it. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, it's your time to go or I'm not priority anymore. Or the gym is in priority and that shit sucks. I don't care. You know, I can act as tough as I want about it. Um, but that's the business. That's the nature of this business. Yeah. You know, when it's like engineering or lawyer stuff or accounting, it's, eh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know anything about it. But when you know anything about their life, when you've stepped out of your way for them, when you take care of their family, when you fucking stay there, when you hold their hands, when you're wiping tears, when you're cleaning up blood, when you're there and then see you. But I have to stay in the ship with the memories. <laughs> I have to stay with the cobwebs yeah. and the creakings and the cracks. And that's I've had to accept that that if I'm gonna stay in this world business wise, even financially, that's the reality of it. And it does affect business because if if I were to be soured by that, no one would want to come training for me anymore. Sure, because I'd just be like, okay, buddy, <laughs> Mike, this is oh yeah, okay, shut up. But I don't do that, you know. Is is it because like, well, I guess okay. So as someone who personally like, I grew up very alone. So when uh. I always think about, are you guys Eminem fans? Yeah. Okay. So the song Kim. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know the line where he says, how could you leave me and just love him out the blue? Yeah, right. That line, not so much the relationship part of it, but like how could you leave me and and be there for someone or something else mm -hmm. always stuck with me. And I think <clears throat> the way that I've slowly taught myself to deal with it is that I was not measuring uh the intent at the time like i would just dismiss the intent like if somebody would say i love you and then for they're gone i would be like you never love me until i started going i think they really did at that time mm -hmm. and then things changed and when i started to realize that again not so much uh, again if you're talking emotional business right i think that that's kind of like how i trained myself to be able to cope with that a little bit more mm -hmm. and it happens in my business too and people buy from me and then they're like hey this guy's offering right fucking handies you know? <laughs> and i'm like oh, man i'm in i got, for four got these calluses bro i you mean it, it's uh i mean it is it, that is con the concept of the business that is part of the burden um 
you know, you can take it personally and still wish that person success. You can be angry at the time. You can be hurt. Um, but to dwell on that forever will ruin your the success of the next person. You yeah. know, accepting that in business and that by accepting that business for me is personal and that I've heard to learn, heard the, I've had to feel that the hard way and learn it the hard way is only planning my path for success. Meaning I understand that I take it personally. I understand that this is happening and I'm not blindsided by it anymore. I'm not surprised by it. I'm not as hurt as I used to be because I, you know, Oh my God, this will never happen. Yeah. Um, and it does take its toll, but never enough to ruin the, the future path. You have to kind of accept that in life. And that is, that is indicative of life. How do you emotionally reset for your like new? I don't reset. I just keep growing. <laughs> uh, I can't reset. Yeah. I can't undo that. Put a little pin in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't. Right, I just, on. you just grow stronger. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. No way. Cause that's not fair. You know, I'll lose that. I'll use also use that lesson for the people who are great. And the, you know, I don't want to, I just don't want to sit here and fucking drown in negative shit. Cause it's just realistic, but there are people at that gym that are worth it. Yeah. That are worth living and dying for. So it just makes me hold on to that more tenaciously. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> It makes me a. It makes me stronger when I have something good, because I've been fucked. I am opposite of people. I would, most people they get fucked over and they're like, "Well, fuck it, I'm done with life. I don't believe in people." I'm like, I, "You should be the opposite." Yeah, that's what I think. I'm like, "You should probably just love the people that are nice to you even more, and give and give, you know, and and fucking get after it." But that's my personality type too. Like. If I'm over doing it, we're a team. I can't half ass that. I can't. I wish, but I can't. So I'm not going to let those kind of things take away from that. You ever think about that, like from a psychological standpoint, as to why we don't dive back into the people that are there for us and love them harder? Oh, sure. It's it's a it's a protection mechanism because the last thing you want to do is hate somebody that you love. Uh-huh. So if you don't have expectations for them, if you distance yourself, you can't get as hurt. So you're not going to hate them as much. You know, if it's my brother, let's say, yeah, and I'm like in it, giving it, knowing that that's going to happen, I'm more likely to get hurt and hate him. So as a defense mechanism, like, well, if I kind of half-ass it, I won't be as mad and it'll keep our relationship pretty cool. But I don't do that. I'm like, (laughs) we're going to get after it. I'm going to work for something I love. And if we can't figure it out and then fine, then I always say, I will love you. I love furiously and I hate furiously. Mm. So you signed up for the ride, bro. You know what I mean? You decided to make me love you, asshole. You know what I mean? This is your fault. You did this to you us. You did this to us. Explain that black guy to the neighbor. I fucking say it. You ran into the doorknob. So many stairs. I'm like, what? Uh, God. I'm tired already. I feel great. I feel like this bang is just giving me the right amount of heartburn to really push through. Yeah. Almost died. The fir- Four weeks of fucking gut issue. Is this our first ever whiskeyless podcast? No, not first ever. We've had one, I think, in preparation for a competition where I couldn't drink. Uh, I think you're right. Or I forgot the bottle or something. It's There's been a few, but very little. little. <laughs> I'm just fully caffeinated now. Yeah. Um. So I was uh, I was perusing around the internets, right? I, and I heard this this quote. And I thought that it might be something that you might be interested in and that you might be able to elaborate on. Um, so they were talking about basically like failure and success. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you were talking about training and how we, you know, training is everything to some. Right. So 
this quote was the reason most people fail is because they give up what they want most for what they want now. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking like, how often are you experiencing that with your lifters and yourself? You mentioned a lot, especially in terms of like how you recover and also how you, uh, how you eat and sleep. And how often are you sacrificing the end game for right now? Right. Um, <laughs> I think that's what basically we all have to deal with. That quote, which is cool, I've never heard it before, um, is really the, the life question. Mm. You know, um, you want that intro, that immediate satisfaction, so you sacrifice health, you sacrifice technique, you sacrifice things that are going to be in the long-term effect to get that really quick fix. Yeah. And if we're going to speak anatomically and coach-wise, it's typically a sacrifice of technique um, to just get the big lift right now. Or in many cases, it's just an upping of drugs to an unhealthy level to be good for a year, and then the next four years you're just wrecked. Um, yeah. Or you work through injury. Because you want to be the best, but you think if you just jump into the next comp to win, it's going to happen. And then you, you're fucked. And then the thing that you wanted the most, two, three down the line, is that you just pushed it back another five. Um, and I've been guilty of this throughout my entire life. Because immediate satisfaction is we're all guilty as human beings. I mean, pick up your phone and get on Instagram. It's that immediate dopamine fix. Boom. Mm. Um and a lot of us, uh, even as coaches and athletes, deal with this consistently. Um, only the best can continuously stay on this path. We all do it. We all go an extra 10 pounds when we shouldn't. We do an ugly deadlift, but we're so infatuated with a number that we have to get it. So we do another set, and it doesn't really work out, right? Or it does, but it did work out, so you start perpetually thinking that's okay to do, and then you fuck yourself, which is super common. You compete when you don't have to because it's like, I need to jump in now and feel good now. And you just push back the bigger competition even further because after this comp, you're fucked. Mm. You shouldn't have done it. Yeah. But you, you needed to feel that feeling, that competitive feeling. You are, uh, you're using it to help you lose weight or be, have discipline. And you're like, I'm like that. You need to fix that injury. Yeah, but I can do it. You do it. You fuck yourself. And now you can't do your state championship. You don't make it to nationals. You get fucked at work. You know, these things are very real for all of us. Yeah. I did it consistently on my own because i didn't have great advice or i didn't listen to it so with my people it's like let's discuss the long run and you can say the same thing about life yeah. you take the job that offers you the more money right now instead of saying somewhere where they were loyal to you you had a family and then the new job's like yeah we don't need you anymore you're gone and you're like fuck i should have stayed here because this one gave me the fatter paycheck now it's it's very common this is the human endeavor you know is this are you planning for the long run the marathon not a sprint and I think that the whole concept of greatness sometimes is taken with risk. But these should be calculated risks for the long haul, not the short term. And I think we're all guilty of doing it, but I think it's just sticking to those guns of if it's really something you love, it's not going to be a, an easy short path. It's going to be a long, arduous, and most of it is moving left, right, backwards, then forward, then left, right, backwards, dipping and dodging and dodging and duck. Mm. So... That's what I'm I'm pushing forward to. I've continuously done it because I didn't do this. Yeah. And now I'm like fucking banged up and it's finding way more tricks 
to get what I wanted to, but it's still there. Some would say that the path you should take is a left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, ABA. ABA select start. Some would say that. I would say if we're <laughs> fighting a new world here, <laughs> Team Contra, I'm in. I'm the red guy. <laughs> so, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was a... Some people, probably only us will get it, but... No way. Whatever. No way. I have complete faith that most people listening know exactly what the fuck we're talking about. Most people are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, I hope. I pulled a lot of random quotes. Are you ready for these? Like, okay. They're just... Well, I hope you're focusing on the questions and not quotes. Well, there's... Because you're going to fuck me. I knew it. You're going <laughs> to come at me with some shit I don't even know. I'm oh, ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm no, ready. I'm ready. It's fine. It's fine. I'm ready. Um, So I was watching a snippet of Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about like the challenge. And I think this is, is a good... I think you've said this about coaching. And I know that Danny says it a lot about being captain of the villains. Mm-hmm. And the it says, uh, come on, stupid thing. A person that is friends with everyone is an enemy to himself. Hmm. How does that apply to you in coaching? Oh, yeah, that's easy. Uh, there's no such thing as a leader that can be friends with everybody. It's a lonely position. You can't make decisions that hurt people's feelings and it's for the greater good of the of the group or the greater good of the person and expect to always grab beers with them. People are going to be intimidated from you, with you, or of you. They're going to keep their distance. They might be uncomfortable. You are a person that is known to make executive decisions. Sometimes you have to be visceral. You break people's hearts. You also make them cry and happy. There's no such thing. You cannot be everyone's friend and be a leader. You chose that decision and it is a lonely fucking path. And if you're really going to decide that that's what you want in life and you want to lead people, that sometimes friends get friends killed because you're too busy being nice to them. You're too busy nurturing them. And you know what? It does suck to be the firm hand. It does suck. And I've said it before many times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you make a decision for somebody that you pull them out of a competition, you, you, you get mad at them for doing something ridiculously off, to, off, off schedule and, and programming. You yell at them. You, you see them breaking down and you're like, fuck. And you don't go home and laugh about it. Yeah. You have to go home and deal with it. And then you got to see that person over and over. You think they really want to go out and get a sandwich with you? You think they want to ask you how your day went? Yeah. It's a lonely position. Leadership, real leadership. Um, of course, it's it's also worth the accolades and the respect and and the commitment and that kind of love between people. But you cannot be there needs to be a line drawn because human beings will start to step over that line. And when you try to lead them again and they think we're friends, it's a budding of heads. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the leader to continuously draw that line really hard in the sand and be like, look, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm saying now. Yeah. Never feels good. And it's always part of that path. So you can't always do that. What what year uh, in, in business and as a as a coach did you really start to adapt that? Had it always been that way for always, you? Always. Always. Yeah. Always. I was like that when I was a Muay Thai teacher. And do you think that's carryover from how Wes was? With you? Yeah. 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 We were. I'd like to give myself a pat on the back and I never crossed that line. We were friends, but when it was game time, I'm a soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell me to run into a burning building. If you're a good leader, I'll, I'll go into hell and I'll die with you. 
And Wes was that leader to me. I love that. I love that. I totally get it, too. Man, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> you have complete control, sir. I know. But it's like, uh, I don't know how. What time are we doing live? One twenty. so. Right, we got time. Plenty. Okay. So, Esteban. I like this one. Oftentimes, you've mentioned not straying from the way. Within the Battle Axe Clan, we all know what this means. However, with younger lifters especially, they oftentimes seem to want to rush the process and not think about longevity in the sport, kind of what we just touched on. Oftentimes, this leads to injuries, which could... Oh, sorry, I, I broke that up. Oftentimes, this leads to injuries, which could have been avoided. How do you best convey this concept to younger lifters in order for them to understand tr trusting the process and hopefully not having to endure these often preventable injuries? You got to get the concept that you're going to get hurt. So let's just start off with that. You can't really, uh, human beings have the incredible ability to want to persevere. You have to trust in that. But you can't prevent injury. You can only deal with it. If you're going to get into a sport like strongman, powerlifting, something physical, you will get hurt. And that's my first thing. When anyone ever says about powerlifting, strongman, I'm like, you're going to get hurt. What we can do is mitigate it and hopefully push it back. You can only do so much. I mean, to sit here and tell you that younger lifters are the only ones making bad decisions, that's <laughs> wrong. Every lifter at every level at any given time is going to make Bad decisions always because sometimes those bad decisions are brought on the greatest things in their life. PRs, championships, etc. But I'm telling you right now that you it's just a continual work. And it's like we describe love to be. Love is continuous, lifelong work. Yeah. Sport. And love of sport is continuous, long lasting work. You have to stay with it. You have to stay diligent. One year you'll be good. The next month you do stupid decisions. So you can't really just say younger lifter. You also can't say that there's no way. You can't guarantee a lifter you won't get hurt. Right. So it's more about reminding them, keeping them on the path. There is no way out of that. You kind of just have to accept that we're going to do the best we can with what we have when we can. We can mitigate. We can program correctly. We can rest. We can eat. You know, life will take a hold when it does. And we're continuously building that mental toughness to deal with it when it comes. But I wouldn't treat a younger lifter any different than I treat an older lifter. The same thing. Same path. Same concept. You might need to remind a younger lifter, but sometimes we can argue that a younger lifter listens better. Yeah. And the older lifter, the stubborn that I've been through it, I already know, or they don't want to talk about their injuries or they're more reluctant to say anything because they're, you know, they're experienced. So they know, so they don't want to look like an idiot or a pussy by talking out and saying, I'm fucked up. Yeah. And it's easier for them to stifle it than a new one that's like, my leg hurts. I'm like, good for you. Thank you. Or, hey, why does my foot hurt? I'm like, that's a good question. So it goes either way, and I think both you have to really attack them. And if anything, I honestly think it's a lot harder to deal with an experienced lifter making bad decisions than a younger lifter, if you ask me. And a lot of guys might say younger lifters and all, but older lifters can be especially elite because they will mask things to the last bit. And it's up to me to dig through fucking six pounds of cement to be like, this is what's happening. I'm like, oh, I was going to tell you two weeks ago. I'm like, motherfucker. That's it, experience. It's almost like a, uh, like sitting in um, psych sessions. Yeah. 
telling me about right? it. Right? This is why I went to school. So for the third session, you're like, yeah. And then my dog, uh, like, where the fuck did uh, did you did you grab a bagel from outside? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? God, so me. Um, here's another training question uh, from nice. Nick. What are the hardest parts of programming for multi-sport athletes, and what parts do you enjoy about the process the most, uh, if any? And as a multi-sport athlete. What are the hardest parts and which parts do you enjoy the most? So coaching perspective yeah, and then athlete perspective. I, I think it's about being real, both as a coach and an athlete. If you're a multi-sport athlete, very few people are going to be great at either or both sports. Yeah, In my opinion, if you want to be great at something, you can't do anything else. I've always said that. And I still, I'll believe that to the day I die. Unless you're just stupid gifted, you know, yeah. which is very rare. And being honest with yourself. If thinking you're going to be the best strongman and be the best powerlifter at the same time, your window of opportunity is going to be very short. Uh, you're, it's probably not going to happen. Um, and I don't think it's given the sport its due diligence and its respect. Um, I enjoy training for both to, for many sports. I think that it, at, at off-season or certain amounts of time, for example, in my case, doing strongman and highland games where I can do highland movements because it kind of correlates with the, the, the dynamic effort of strongman, off season where it's not really lowering my body neurologically. I can do both. I can adhere each one throws. are also part of strongman and still see benefits because it's such a high skill level sport. And then as I get closer to competition, I have to hunker down and become sport specific. Mm-hmm. I think in that aspect, we can do great. And it's powerlifting and strongman. You know, you can say the core base lifting of, power, of strongman is powerlifting. So you can keep them relatively united until that happens. I enjoy being an athlete. I enjoy being good or have having practiced in many, many sports. I will always do that. Um, but in my case, I, I still have my focus on strongman. I think, in my opinion, when you become a multi-sport athlete, it's very easy to dull your senses and lull yourself to sleep and this kind of malaise of doing this and that and kind of sort of. And I think that's not, A, giving yourself respect or the sport any respect, it's also not giving you a good perspective on what you want to do. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll go to work, but I also kind of go out and I might see this person. If you don't do it in life, don't fucking do it with your sport. Yeah. It'll lead to injury. It'll lead to confusion and it'll lead to a, 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 a disbursement of your passion because it's very hard to go to a competition knowing you gave everything in training when you kind of have your mind on the Highland Games and then kind of Florida's. You can't look at me in the eye and say you gave me everything. Mm-hmm. Be honest with me. Yeah. Yeah, I had fun. I go, okay, well, I don't really com- always compete for fun. I compete the fuck shit up. I came here to win, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that's me. And as a coach, I'd okay, be real. You're going to be good and moderate and have fun. Then that's the energy you're going to get. But if you're going to come at me and scream after your PR and tell me you've given your everything when you're kind of dieting, but you're also not cutting weight and you're throwing and you're kind of doing powerlifting. And maybe you're not, that's going to be my attitude towards you. I'd say it's very rare that you can be great at something in multiple sports. I think the sport deserves some time and respect. And then when you think you've given enough, give it a time. A year is not a big deal. Right. Give that sport some go. Respect it. And I think you'll become out of it more fulfilled, having given a true effort for the comp, than if you kind of sort of kind of maybe might do it. Yeah. And that's how I talk to all my guys. I have a lot of capable athletes and a lot of multi-sport athletes. And I always answer the same. I go, be real with yourself, but you can't be great at two things. 
Yeah. I tried to do a bunch of things at once. Strongman, rugby, and powerlifting. Shit. And I was good at all of them. Not great, but fucking good. I won with Florida Strongest Man coming up a powerlifting meet, having just finished rugby season. True story. Fucked my body apart. I was good at them, but it wasn't great. Yeah. And after I won Florida's, I'm like, I think I need to do one thing. My body was just like, hey, man. <laughs> and I wanted to really give it its real go. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's where... It's a slippery slope, and I think it lulls people to sleep. Um, you can do both for off-season, some time off, some play, but when it's time to hunker down, you got to fucking pick the sword or the bow, bro. But that's it. Random, but do you think powerlifting and strongman should be Olympic sports? Uh, maybe powerlifting. Yeah? I feel like there's a lot of uh, like different uh, country uh competitors for yeah. strongman so i think, uh, I think strongman's too um a they're never going to do it because of the stigma of steroids b it's um you would have to have uh the same events you know what i mean like olympic yeah. weightlifting it's two movements powerlifting it's three same bar kilo plates you know you can really f- uh, format that strongman I don't mind if we're not in the Olympics because that's why we take pride in being fucking doing what we want. Our attitude is we're versatile. Yeah. We're like, don't fuck with us. They're like, we make our own rules. We The point is being strong on any given day. It's not set with kilos. If we bitch about powerlifters and Olympic weightlifting, but we want to be in the Olympics where it's the most fucking cookie cutter, yeah. you know, polo wearing goody two-shoe shit, but we also want to do whatever we want. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'd rather keep it, you know, not that I, I think it should be on TV. Oh, yeah. Like the CrossFit games and that level. Yes. But it's very hard to, you know, formalize and get like an everything at the same weight, same log, same kilos. You know, I'm not okay with it. I don't, I would rather not be in the Olympics. Yeah. Because I don't think it's a sport that you can put it in that, in that box that easily. Powerlifting, no problem. I mean, USAPL already almost is at that level with their ridiculous rules and their bullshit and nobody likes it. <laughs> so, you know, put it in there, man. Squat bench deadlift, easy. Yeah. I mean, it's boring as shit, but... It would be nice to know, like, yeah. you're best in the world. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. It gives a lot of look. They're, they're actually doing it with Muay Thai. Really? Which, yeah, man, which is great. Why not? I That's think cool. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu should be in there, too. The, you can get a judge or set rules or set weights... You know, it's it's not rampant with fucking, you know, drug test them, get after it. You know, you you have judo, you have wrestling, yeah, you have taekwondo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is worldwide. Thai is, is kickboxing, you know, so they'll probably formally, why not? I mean, you have a bunch of other stupid shit in there, so. Except curling, that's the greatest Olympic sport of all time. What a group of athletes. <laughs> yep. Sweeper. Call me sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> My alias. Man. Why do people do this? Because they hate me. <clears throat> All right, fine. <laughs> we're like, give us questions. Okay, don't give us anything. Now we're being total assholes. <laughs> no, no, no. no it's, not, it's not that. It's no, just like I, I did. I'm an asshole. Like, I'm like, please ask a good question. You ask a good question. Man, fuck you. <laughs> what a troubled person. That's not why we came here. That's not what you came for, you stupid. Uh, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> this is from Lifcraft. Uh Something I've been thinking about a lot lately, having just started sports at almost a master's age. Relatable. Uh, between grieving the loss of a friend and being older with previous injuries, it's a question I have to ask myself. Uh, she goes into the Olympic part, which I don't think I want to touch. Right. So let's just we'll talk about later. it there. Yeah. Right. Um, 
if you're getting into sport for what you think is best for you in the sense of growth, you are never too old to get stronger. And I mean that physically and mentally. No amount of loss, physical, spiritual, in any aspect, should keep you from, from battling. No amount of anything, whether it's virtues, money, I said it at the beginning, I said, that's why it correlates to what I wrote. No amount of anything, success, love, you know, all the good stuff, and no amount of bad stuff, you know, loss, family, death, being poor, should keep you from choosing a path that continuously challenges you. You know, some of us strive to be challenged. We need, we need the shit. I need it. Like, and I know it's hard for people to get it. But we know what we mean. I need. It's not that I need, I create the hardship. I desire a challenge. Yeah. I was born to fight that. I just, it's in me. And a lot of us can say so. If you're going into sport, because that's what you desire, whether it's control, it's whether it's um, a passion, whether it's a purpose, you're never too old for this. And you should hold it dearly because if you're a person that is older and has been through shit, you know what it is not to have purpose. You know what it is to be given up on. You know what pain is. And it's like I said earlier on, you should grab something that you can love and let it fucking kill you. Take it, hold it, fight for it, respect it. You cannot be too old for that. You can be 87. If that sport means the world to you, sometimes the world for somebody is a fucking barbell because that's all they have left. Yeah. And that is okay. Never too old, never too hurt, and never too alone to fucking dig in those fucking trenches and be somebody to yourself you don't got to prove it to nobody. First you, then your, your loved ones, your ones that have passed on, the ones that are still here. You got to prove it to yourself first because if they were alive, they'd tell you the same shit. Yeah. Take care of yourself is the first thing almost anyone says. And I've talked to people on their deathbed. Take care of yourself. Okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get into a fucking sport that allows me to express it, that it helps me find definition and purpose and passion and friends and love, commitment, discipline. You can't tell me that one person deserves it more than the best. That's your journey. Yeah. Once we're there, yeah, we can, we can talk. But that's yours. There's no age. There's no fucking criterion. There's no, I've lost this, I can do that. And that's something, I mean opinions and that concept and i'll bring this up that's what this is it and like i said some of us need that fight and sport and training and in my opinion competition are the greatest human endeavors of all time and it's right there so i i mean i hope that answers that for her because i, I feel like it will yeah i think it did for a lot of us <laughs> but yeah yeah i think you just reposted that uh that conversation Joe Rogan had, right? That I need. Yeah. 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 My cousin sent me, post me, kind yeah. me on that. Yeah, yeah. I you know, it's some of us, that's the warrior code. You know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to take a life, in my opinion. You know, I think even warriors will tell you that. Yeah. I think soldiers and will tell you. I know, because I've had this conversation with them. 
it's a mindset and you just need it and a lot of people like to say that <laughs> yeah until what you love goes i come to collect and this is going to bring up it's going to be brought up soon but when it starts going hey your knees fucked uh, hey you're going to be lonely for a little bit hey you know that relationship can't have it not if you want to win Hey, man, you got to go to the hospital, bro. You're in a bad place. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take all that money that you saved. We need that back, buddy. <laughs> and you're supposed to do what? Give up? Nah. Not when you love something. That's the fight. <sighs> Goosebumps. <sighs> Feeling good. Feel like we're just sitting stride. Typically, this is where we just start getting after it. Oh, man. I know, man. Wow. Fucking feeling great. Three hours. No, I'm <laughs> no way this place charges too much. Fuck you. Get out of here when they're trying to shut us down. <laughs> Guys, come on. We couldn't even park in your parking lot, you stupid place. Nah. Maybe they can hear us. They're going to shut us down. Watch <laughs> fucking camera in here. Not yet. Just kidding. Cameras are coming, though, allegedly. Yeah. So we'll be able to maybe do like, uh, put this on your YouTube. Yeah, that'd be fucking great. I'd like that. And the little tidbits on the Instagrams. Yeah, we got to. Let's see. Oh, man. Oh, I like this one. Uh-oh. Uh, this is from Nicole. Uh, I don't know this, Nicole. It's not from the Axe. At least I don't think What's she What's the last name? It. It's a E-M-H. Nicole E-M-H. Nicole Eam? I don't know. I'll figure it out. What am I supposed to do with that? I'll figure it out. All right. All right. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> just get you know like simple somebody will find out I'll, I'll, I'll look while you look <laughs> anyways it's a good question it, it, seeing as to how the battle axe has different generations of people training there um do you notice a trend oh that's nicole too yeah nicole too yeah. <laughs> yeah she's number two all right well, so what was it again two i'm working on it uh seeing as to how the battle axe has different generations of people based on when they have begun training under you do you notice a trend between these generations, such as uh, different motivations for training, competing? Uh, is there a common link? Like, what is something that you've noticed has gone down the line? Yeah, I like that. Th one. There it's is fun. a, there is, um, I guess you can call generations at the gym first, second, third. First generation will always be the ones that are going to have that. Back in my day, we didn't have this, and we had no equipment. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and they were there for the fucking when I was the meanest and the fucking they didn't give a fuck. Um, that's that really first generation. You talking about nine, eight years ago? Um, yeah, that we used to travel with the Honda Accord, and you know that generation. Um, and then you have a second generation that came around where we're a little bit more. We had competitions already. We had equipment. They had yeah. that battle had that swagger to them. And of course, you have now where it's like nine years later where you're. Jumping into an established community, you have a culture, you know, their meetings and things like that. We have Shopify for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? Like, um, seriously, those are different generations. I would say we're at three generations if we had to kind of um, put that into a number. I think the underlying issue that has always been present, at least from the get go, is to always better the gym. I think that there's something about that gym that you just feel like it's home. And I don't, I don't yeah. say that on a personal level. I think most people walk in there and they're like, you know, like I want to, I want to try and save this, you know, and I want to take care of this. And at first it started from people buying equipment for the gym. 
And I remember the first time the gym surprised me with stuff. I go, now you guys know what it feels like to have somebody not respect your stuff. Yeah. And that moment, like people had more eye-opening concepts, you know. We had this one day where <laughs> I was just sick of people's shit, and I've always talked about it, called the evolutions. It was brutal. I was just sick of people not putting things right. And I said, you know what? On Saturday, I want everybody to be here at 4.30 in the morning. If you don't show up, I'm kicking you out of the gym. But all of you are going to suffer. We're going to run evolutions until you all die or the sun comes up. And we fucking, it was cross, like fucking CrossFit, well, kind of. It was like Navy SEAL push-ups. People were throwing up, passing out. I was like, I can't wait for somebody. I was like, this is it. This is where I'm going to fucking cut off everybody. I was so mad. I was like, I'd rather, I'd rather starve. And everyone stuck together. And everyone survived. I'm talking about four or 500 jumping jacks, hundreds of push-ups, burpees to people that had, I blamed everybody. I'm like, everyone's guilty. And they stuck together. And it was crazy. And that generation always talks about that. Oh, you guys ever do the evolution? You know? <laughs> you Back in that. Nam when I was fucking doing push-ups <laughs> for your freedom, you know? <laughs> and, but from that, it's still the underlying issue. Yeah. That nobody wanted to give up on this gym. Nobody wanted to give up on their home, their culture, their friends. Yeah. There is this thing in that gym where, especially now, it's like you don't want to fail your, your teammate. There is, you know, I hate, you know, I don't expect everyone to get along all the time, even though, I, you know, you want to as like a yeah, quote sure. unquote parent. But you'll be damned if anybody wants to lose the respect of their peer. And that involves getting there on time and putting things back and taking care of the gym, taking out the garbage, replacing things. And if something breaks, we find a way. If somebody needs something from moving to emotional support, there's this kind of cohesion within the generations that you just don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to the gym down. Yeah. And that's been the most fascinating and enduring thing. And that's what people constantly talk about. Hey, you guys do this. And I knew that this would happen. And that shirt that you wear means something. The first generation, they learned that from who? Me, Papa. I go, don't you ever wear my shirt and not respect what this is about. Because yep. Wes taught me that. He's like, you wear that motherfucker proudly. I'm like, you, you're, no one knows how much work you put on to earn that shirt. Because, yeah, maybe people can buy it now, but you earned it. Yeah. There's a difference. And back in the day, I didn't sell the shirts to people. Only you had to earn it in my gym. You had to train in my gym. Yeah. And everyone is like, oh, now you're selling it to everybody. I go, yeah, I'm selling it to everybody. But you earned it. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking difference to wear it proudly and throw it on the floor. And that is still embedded in that culture from one generation to the next quietly. I haven't had to remind anyone of that. And that's been a, a beautiful thing. Um, and it, it, it keeps me going because, you know, like I said, generations get tired. Real life happens. You know, you're yeah. kind of edging on the new guys to travel, to push. And it's been quite a journey for the last nine years to see that. Um, and it makes me very, very, very proud. It gives me a, a very deep level of purpose to see that go unwritten, like if it's been the sagas handed down verbally. It's yeah. people's body language. And that's everything. That is legacy. Yeah. You know, it's not, I don't have to have a, a rules on the wall, though much I really like that idea. I love it. It's like people know because they saw the other guy do it. Yeah. That's fucking culture, bro. That's culture. And that's awesome for me. And it's been through generations, honestly. So cool, yeah, man. It's fucking great. I think uh, you know it's one of those things too. Like, if you're even if you're just a visitor, it's almost like this. Uh, you see people start moving, you're like, oh, I better, just I better do something. I better grab something. People say it. I mean, look, everyone. Yeah, it's like you guys on Saturday are like a well-oiled machine. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, 
I don't even have to say shit anymore. Fucking eight years ago, yeah. Motherfucker, fuck you, get out. Yeah, of course, yeah. those are the times. You know, you you can't be everybody's friend. Yeah. Those are the times where people, I was that cusp. Now you're a little bit, maybe it's like, oh, Mike, you know, I hate it. Oh, you got in softer. I go, I don't need to be as hard anymore. Yeah. That's called being a fucking grown man. <laughs> like going, I, the best thing, I, the worst thing anyone can hear from me is, let me talk to you for a second. Oh, fuck. In that tone, I look at him, I'm like, talk to you outside for a second. Back then, fuck you, motherfucker, right in front of everybody. Now, I mean, it takes it takes a, a little bit to do that, but I do it as a group, you yeah, know? Yeah. I go, I'm going to talk to you outside for a second. Because it's it's so much unspoken already for me. Yeah. Handed down through people. Yeah, of course, sometimes as a leader, you got to go, hey, show the next generation. Yeah. Show them. And I have to step in. But mostly, it's it's the culture itself. It's it's a living, breathing thing. So it's pretty cool. And so, you know, we were talking about that. You can't be everybody's friends, right? So what do you think is, like, some advice for someone like myself, right? Because mm -hmm. people always really consider me a nice person, mm -hmm. which yeah. is, like, that's nice, right? Right. But, uh, it's not really my nature. But I work really hard to be nice to people. Do you think, I feel like if I, if I don't continue to practice to be nice, then I will like almost become like a raging lunatic. Right. And here's the thing. Why you're doing what you're doing needs to be in the forefront of your mind. Yeah. And that it be, it's a task, it's a skill set. In the sense of leadership, you there are such things as nice leaders. Yeah, there are such things as quiet leaders. I am not one, but I respect, I love that. I'm not one. I'm yeah. boisterous. I'm loud. I'm in your face. But I can. I've also learned from quiet, stoic leaders when to shut the fuck up, and just stay and let the moment pass. Niceness, kindness, and compassion are just tools as well as forcefulness execution firmness anger it is the skill set of learning when to use one and still keeping your character that makes you a fucking leader yeah don't lose sight of who you are because you don't know how to use a hammer well learn how to use it when to use it i used to think well if i'm angrier i they'll learn by this hand alone. I only had the hammer. And I was like, yeah, I'm a nice guy, but it doesn't work, I would say, to be nice. So it was always, ah, but I was losing sight of myself. That wasn't who I really wanted to be. I did want to be a relatively nice guy. I wanted to be respected, but each one of those skill sets are tools. And you know what it takes? Practice. It yeah. takes pulling somebody aside. First work with one-on-one -on -one and two-on-one, -on -one, then a small speech slowly evolving and saying i'm learning hey i want to speak to you for a second and throw that and you know what sitting with that uncomfortable feeling of losing a friend or that you might lose your shit you're supposed to sit with that you're supposed to sit with that uncomfortable feeling that i think i'm gonna fucking punch this person and you're supposed to feel guilty and feel like shit yeah you're supposed to take that home with you that's what leadership is that's what you signed up for it never feels good not only to treat that person kind sometimes, even though they deserve to get whooped, but the anger and guilt you feel for feeling bad in the first place. 
Well, you go home and you sit with it, and that makes you a better person. So then people start to realize, hey, man, this guy is practicing, and he's, and he's, and he's working at it. And you never lose sight of that. Because I've had some leaders that are the nicest people in the world, but there's a time and a place where they can use that fucking screwdriver. And I'm like, fuck. Mm. And that to me is more delivered than the person that's like, well, I'm going to lose my shit. I go, yeah, we all, we all will. Though we all can. Show me. Show me how you're working through it so I can work through being a subordinate. Because when you lead people, they don't all want to listen to you at the beginning. No way. Human beings instinctively want to rebel. Yeah. Show them how hard you're working to be a leader so they learn how hard it, it looks like and feels like to take orders. And that takes practice. Pulling one aside, two aside, three times a day, having that hard conversation. That conversation when you know their feelings are going to get hurt. And that you're going to say, well, I could be way worse. Well, so can they. You have to give them the respect that they're giving you. Yeah. And that, hey, thank you. You don't have to thank them, but... You recognize that they're working on keeping their fucking mouth shut and you're working on not raging <laughs> or being so nice or too nice. And hey, man, you know, I we're going to go this this way. And that uncomfortable elephant in the room because your stomach hurts because you're, you're like, you, you know how you're saying it. Yeah. We'll work on it. Just like they have to work on taking orders. But how can you preach? Hey, man, take it. If you're not working it either, you're not sitting with that horrible gut feeling when you're like, and that'll teach you because then you have the opposite side of the spectrum. Like if you just fucking do this, <laughs> be like, what did you say? Yeah. You know, you have to mesh in the middle. You know what a good leader is because he has all the tools. He goes like, Hey, I'm dealing with a guy that thinks he's an alpha. I speak to you privately for a second, man. <laughs> if I see one of the fuckers that uh, he thinks he's cool, I'll embarrass him. Go, let's, we're going to go at it. If I see another person that is very intellectual, older, has been through life, I'm like, I talk to them with the respect that they've given me, that they've been through some scenarios, and I have to kind of maneuver different kind of oceans. Yeah, It's all these aspects. Some people have a hard day, and you practice. And it's been nine years, and I'm still fucking learning that. Well, I've been a leader for more than that, but that uncomfortable shit. And so I would, I would encourage you, to sit in that uncomfortable conversation and approach it in a way that it's not that you're going, you're resorting back because you're never going to be that person again. And it's really hard for people to accept that that person is dead. That comfort zone is dead. You're using that as a tool, as a motivator, not to be that guy. You're becoming something different and it's a fucking process. That's funny. Cause I just had that situation with one of my new guys oh. where like, I like, like basically I, <laughs> He said something in a, like, I just kind of like, you could see, like, I got a little trappy and I was like, what did you say? <laughs> and all my guys were like, because that's not my normal reaction. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> they were like, nah, man, everything's cool. Everything's fine. Hey, cool. Be cool. Be cool. Yeah, nah, we, <laughs> and I was like, ready to rip them apart. And I'm yeah. like, you know what, man? I know you're new here. We'll, we'll talk about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's see, but that, that's good. You know, it's like Wyatt Earp. You're never carrying a gun. And you're like, man, you don't want to piss Wyatt Earp off. Because right. Tombstone happens to be one of the greatest movies. Well, man. Just, uh, I mean, science is science. Science is science. We're going to jump on the live now and let people kind of um, trickle in. All right, so you might know. Whoa, sick. Uh oh, That was a sick tricep flex. I me? watched it. I watched oh. it. Yeah, it was pretty sick. <laughs> you saw me? Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, whatever. Huge. 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 Um, you might know this, but 
do I have to join? Like I'm watching the live, but do I have to join it to be able to see the questions or no? No, you're you're joined. I'm in it. You can see the questions. All right, right, cool. (laughs) So for guys listening, because I guess it's really hard. I guess you're not physically here. This is happening in your face. Um, (laughs) We're going live right now. Um, We're gonna discuss. I think we should ask one more question in in between as people kind of get on there. We're gonna do again. I think it's been a little outplayed. Um, and discuss but it's a bigger one with the Simone Biles and the mental health and pulling out and um, you know taking actions for herself etc and we promised our Instagram crowd to uh, go live at 120 and then field this question uh, for a little while because I think that was just going to open a floodgate Um, and then we'll talk about it in a good depth and then we'll try to finish off with a couple of the other questions that were left in our comments so that everyone feels you know uh, recognize which we really appreciate so we'll answer one quick one now and then we'll just start to kind of get into the nitty-gritty because you know what nikki was the only one who gave us a break sweet all right nice and easy yeah probably <laughs> all right what what are your top three books you would recommend Fuck. as must reads uh ones that have stuck with you uh out for for a long time after reading them i think that's a that's a good relatively question. i like easy that one um, I have a lot oh of books, so it's tough. Um, one <laughs> book nerd, yeah, <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say that the top three books. It's rough. One is called Fighter's Heart, which um, 100 percent uh, changed my young life. Into it was a uh, I forgot the author's name, but he goes and hangs out with different fighters around the world, from boxers to tie fighters to all sorts of levels, and discusses what it takes to be a fighter. And to, that what it really involves inside. And that's one of the comments I always talk about when I say some fighters say they find God inside the ring. It's because, and it, that's not a necessarily a religious concept, but it's the idea that you are pushed so far beyond your limit that you are at this level of, of, of mentality and courage and spirituality to dig deep within yourself and go forward. Um, number two, uh, I always going to say this because it's the it's the the bee's knees. Forty Eight Laws of Power is one of my favorite fucking books. Um, I don't think there's a question on to why you should read this book. Um, it discusses stuff like that. And then <laughs> this is one of my favorite science fiction books. I don't, I don't, I talk about it. I love it. It's my book, and uh, but that book inspired me to read more into kind of um, to read more literally. To get involved, and I know I read it in seventh grade. It's called The Dark Tide by Dennis L. McKernan, who happens to be one of my greatest writers. It's science fiction, Lord of the Rings style stuff. Um, but that inspired me to to get into actual reading, asking questions. The characters in those books, and I know this sounds silly, but they they resonated within me. They that started me for me to use my imagination to start reading more, and actually got started getting intellectual and asking hard questions about myself because the characters within those books would go through things and see things. And as a child, you're talking about seventh grade, however the fuck old I was, maybe 10, uh, it stuck with me, you know, 26 years later. And I'm still talking about it. And I still have my original book and it means the world to me. And I have told about it and I'm sure people are going to listen to this and fucking not forget a single, probably forget about it, which is fine because I almost don't want anyone to read it. Um, but it means a lot to me. And those three books have been um, a big deal for us, for me, mostly. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. All right, let's get it's after good. it. It's good, 10 years old and having that introspective, right? Like, it's so smart. Is it, 
is Wolverine going to fight Batman today? <laughs> Which I was happening. <laughs> I was having that discussion. Look at fuck Batman. What if you had claws? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I want an aluminum skeleton. <laughs> I was having real. That's I was having real discussions. That and what happens if I won the lottery? But uh, um, no, all right, I'm, we're, dead, I'm dead. ready for this fucking thing. I'm ready. I have even. I even took. I took notes, which yeah. is uncommon. But this is just an in-depth conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. I have to get out of this to... No, I know it. Fuck it. I know it. Okay. Um, so Gabby asked, Finn Gabriel um, asked, basically the overview of Simone Biles and her pulling out for mental health reasons and what I think about that and if I've better, ever been in a situation where that has been presented to me um, I'm obviously paraphrasing because we're not going back into the stuff, but either it's presented to me or I've seen that in someone else. And what do I, what do I feel about that? Um, and the whole scenario, which I think has been a great uh, topic of discussion. I think it's gone a lot of uh, inward perspective. If you're intelligent and intellectual enough to look inward from this scenario, I think you're going to get the most benefit instead of looking outward again, you know, the rebellion concept. I'm going to start off this conversation with, Getting a few fallacies out of the way that I've been, I don't know what I want to say I'm dealing with, but I've seen. I have people DM me because I, I did post a, a good question about it, and which we'll touch base in a little bit about gender and this concept. I'm going to start off with saying that there's a couple fallacies that we're not going to really divulge into that I think is a, a human error when it comes to debate and differentiating of conversation. Number one, the hindsight concept, the what if, shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, I had people say, well, what if she would have competed and broken her neck? What then? is as useless as saying, well, what if she would have competed and got a gold medal? Both of them have a, although one or the other, because then the whole narrative would have changed. Yeah. If she would have competed, we would have said, oh, she's a hero for pushing through mental health issues and still risking life and limb and showing us what it looks like to stay the course and win the gold. That what if, I can't tell you that. Because you, so you shouldn't be able to say, well, what if she would have competed and broke her leg? What then? Those two, those what if and those um, hindsight conversations are very, they, they're a loophole. And we're just going to sit here and go back and forth about what ifs. I would tell you that that conversation in general, in life, is a very slippery slope to say, well, what if? Right? It just leads to disagreement. It leads to more fighting. It leads to a, 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 a bigger loophole than we're already in. So I'm going to discredit that immediately. Number two, the bullying concept that I'm seeing constantly now. It's very easy to pick the small percentage of people and say only fat fucking losers that have done nothing in life are the ones calling her stupid. No, that's not true. The majority of people talking are people like you and me because we're in the human endeavor. What she went through and the reason why there's so many opinions is because we can relate to this at some level and that is okay. There is very few opinions now if you're being a piece of shit and you're contradicting you're attacking and that's what you want to focus on then you're giving platform to that level of stupidity and asinine comments you're bringing them up a level by saying oh they're so stupid for calling her a coward there's most people are not calling her a coward most people are not don't give those fucking morons a fucking platform you can't bully somebody because you're saying well you'll never get it because you're not olympian well in that case 0.00% of the world gets it. Right. What I do want to bring up as a valuable conversation is that most of us can have an opinion, can disagree, and can be skeptical and criticize and question without 
attacking her, disrespecting her, or putting her anywhere. Because I think it's important to focus on the issue, not on her as a human being. Because, I, again, one of the greatest American athletes of all time, I have nothing but good shit to say about her. This is not about that. But bullying somebody and saying that their opinion doesn't matter because they're not an Olympian or they don't get it, listen, at one point or the other, every single person on this fucking podcast on this earth and that is listening has come across the crossroads in their life when a decision they're about to make or not make is going to get somebody hurt somebody killed themselves hurt and it's going to be groundbreaking and ground shaking at one point one of us will have to make this decision and in that aspect in the human endeavor of feeling we want to relate to her we want to feel this we want to be a part of this and i think we can say no, I wouldn't have done this, or I think we shouldn't have done that, and still support her and make a valuable conversation. So let's not bully ourselves out of having an opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know when suddenly it became that because I don't like what you did that I'm attacking you. There are two different things that we need to be very visceral and intellectual about the difference between attacking and having a difference of opinion. So I'm going to start off with saying those kind of things. And I'll tell you right now, in my opinion, of course, this is my opinion, but I'm going to come after it from all the angles. The biggest issue here, my friends, is the concept of mental health. Now, I'm not going to get into the riddling withdrawals and all these other concepts and what other excuses we've generated, because I'll come up with another thing and tell you. There are people who have e- messaged me, well, you know, she's been to sexual trauma, and this is why if she herself has not brought it up, I think it's disrespectful for us to generate excuses for her. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's our part. I don't think it's our place. And I don't think it's a, none of our fucking business. If she hasn't brought those things up to light during this current situation, I'm talking about right now, give her some respect. If she's not out there painting herself a victim, she's not painting herself in any way. We shouldn't either. That's just us trying to kind of personalize or humanize the scenario. Let's take that fallacy out of this conversation. Let's look at this from an objective conversation piece. What is the real issue here is pulling the mental health card. And this is what we talked about in the last episode. As an athlete, as an athlete, I fucking disagree with her 100%. I can tell you right now that there's some of you out there that know what I'm talking about. As an athlete, as a leader, I would never fucking do that. I have been in sports and in scenarios where I can get my neck broken in rugby and die in the fucking ring. And I will never fucking quit on anything. That's me. That doesn't mean that I think she's a coward. Mm -hmm. She probably has more fucking balls than I ever will. It doesn't mean that I think she's stupid or that she should. I don't care. I'm just telling you what I know I would have done. But as a coach, I also have that perspective. And this is something that was brought up to my attention as a coach. You would love to see your athlete live another day. Yeah. You would love to tell your athlete, bro, that gold medal is not worth a broken leg. So I have this dichotomy of ideas, and I think it's okay for us to wear different hats and different masks to answer this question, to diverge and get divulged into this conversation piece. I can see it as an athlete. I can see it as 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 a brother, as a son, as a lifter, as a coach, as a leader, yes. But I'm gonna counter myself Because somebody said, and a few people brought it up, well, I was a coach, and if my athlete said they had a mental health issue and they pulled out, 
then I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm going to challenge you by saying that if your athlete has a mental health issue breakdown in the middle of competition and you didn't see this five, six weeks ago, shame on fucking you. Because a mental health issue has signs. It has, it shows, man. But if you're going to call yourself a coach and I'm dogging on myself too, you can say that a hip is going, that your knee's fucked. You can identify these biomechanics, but you can you get inside? Can you see they're scared, they're hurt, they're distant, they're not communicating? Something is wrong. You should have seen it. And you push your athlete to get out there, and then they say, hey, by the way, I'm having mental health issues. Pack up your shit, bro. We're good. But you should have seen that. And I'm only speaking because maybe, like, again, I'm not speaking about what's happened to her and her coaches and stuff. I'm using this as an example to show us why mental health is fucking important. Now, if we're going to use mental health as the ticket in, and I said it on the last fucking episode, and I swear to God, I stand by that shit. Educate yourself. Ask them questions. What's going on? Do the shit that really bothers you, the uncomfortable shit. Why are you, why are you crying after that set? What's wrong with you? Talk to me. Nope, let's go outside for a walk. Sit in it. Sit in that, that uncomfortable and painful feeling it looks like when you look at your athlete in the eye and they're crumbling before you. Yeah. Six weeks out, five weeks out, three weeks out, two days out. You got to be prepared because you got to, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it hard. There's a difference between being a fucking pussy and having a health, mental health issue. And I'm okay with saying that shit. I think we should be okay with saying cowardice and this is an actual mental health issue that has been showing its head slowly. We all know this. If you really study mental health issues and disorders, let, let me be very specific on the words that I'm using. They, it, it picks you. It decides, guess what? You're not waking up for four days. There is no tomorrow when you have a mental health issue. There's no, I'll think about it. You can't even get out of bed to eat. You can't talk. You see this as a coach. I've seen it. I'm like, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to fucking do this competition is what the fuck we're going to do. Maybe I can say shame on her coaches and the people around her. Maybe we can say that. Because I'm not pointing the fucking finger at her. I'll tell you right now. It's good for you. I said it. I don't agree with it as an athlete because I know what I would have done. And if you tell me you don't know what it feels like to have the weight of the world and blah, blah, blah. Look, let me tell you something, son. I'm not discrediting your opinion because to blindly say yes to something because they've been through what you think is enough is as blind as me saying no to something because I think they haven't been through enough. Those two radical pillars are fucking dangerous. They're dangerous. They're not causing conversation for us to grow. And I am fucking adamant about mental health, bro. I am passionate to the point where I've been talking about this for three days and my fucking voice is raspy. Because mental health, I've seen it slip underneath my fucking fingertips. And I would like to consider myself educated in mental health. More educated than most. And it fucking goes right through you. Yeah. And I'm going to explain something to you. And I've been putting this concept into a million fucking pieces. What does this mean? Because when an athlete does something, it trickles down into society. When a famous person or somebody that's wealthy or a position in life, right, it trickles down. 
So now mental health, which I think is a is a is an issue, is a topic of conversation, is everywhere now. Now mental health is as the word itself is as popular as depression was 15 years ago when you can just go down the street and say you were depressed, some pills. It's as prevalent and as ridiculous right now because when society grabs a mental health idea without the proper education or conversation piece and runs with it, it is the most dangerous concept in the world. Homosexuality was a disease 30, 40 years ago. Because an, an unfinished idea was grabbed by society and they ran with it. And look how many people suffered and had to shut their fucking mouths about their idea of sexuality. Schizophrenia was the devil's work in the early 1900s. Yeah. You didn't go to church enough because society grabbed the idea of mental disorders and said it was a spiritual thing with lack of education. Now, depression. Everyone was depressed. You know what happened to depressed people 10, 15 years ago? They stopped speaking out because everyone was depressed. Remember soccer mom with two kids and homie with a cell phone and that guy with money was. So what happened with people with real, bro, real depression? I challenge you to go to a fucking mental ward and watch a depressed person speak to you. I challenge you before you use that word ever again in the sense of being a disorder. And tell me what happens when society grabs an idea with no education because suddenly psychology, mental health, and the science of it is like shaman bullshit. Psychology isn't a conversation on the couch, bro. It's what people dedicate their fucking lives to study and are still asking questions. Stop watering down psychology. It is fucking dangerous. And now mental health has become the new thing. Right, because this is, I said it today, bro, and I'm being fucking visceral about it. You had a mental health day because a mental health issue is a 24-hour virus bug, bro. Because you can go get yourself a fucking stack of pills and you'll be better tomorrow. You can sleep it off yeah. because tomorrow is a new day. Let me tell you something. There ain't no tomorrow when you're in the fucking shithole. Now we're getting, I've had a, I, I'm anxious I feel, you know, I'm having anxiety. I'm, I, it's my mental health. Careful. What I'm telling you is to be careful and to be respectful and the power of your words when you pull the mental health card on me, motherfucker. Because I'm going to say, what do you mean mental health? Well, I'm just, I'm really scared and I'm nervous. I go, you know, that's also as valuable as having a good day. And we said it in the last podcast. Pain. Pressure, anxiety, sadness, isolation are as valuable and on the same tier and column that happiness, love, compassion, commitment, and perseverance, and so on and so forth are on the same level. We can't start running away from one thing and pull that fucking card on me and society and everyone else when shit starts to hit the fan. And I'm not saying that she did. I'm going to leave I'm going to leave her completely out of it. But ask yourself and ask your peers the question. What happens when your child of 8 years old asks you, "Hey mom, hey dad, what's mental health?" And you're like, "Uh What are you teaching the next generation?" Yeah. It's 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 about being happy, is it? It's also about being sad. It's about hurting. That's also part of your mental health. Cuz tell you what, papa, you cannot be smiling as hard until you understand why you're sad in the first place. No. How are we going to explain that? I challenge you. I'm asking you to 
to read, to write, to execute. I said it to myself, and this was interesting enough, and I said it in an example. I may understand how my knee works more than 99% of the population, but I will not conduct an ACL surgery on myself. It is out of my realm of expertise and practice and professionalism. Yep. Why do we not go to professionals for therapy? Because there's a fucking stigma because now we're blanketing all issues. Everything's under mental health. No, man. So now people with real, this is true, and you fucking know it. I'm looking and I'm talking right at you. If you have mental health issues, now you're more anxious to speak out a little bit. Yes, we're talking about it more, but when you have really ones, you're like, well, if they have one and I have one, I guess I'm just going to be viewed the same. I guess we're both kind of in the same pool. You know, she's, she's had a bad day. I haven't been able to get out of bed for three weeks because we're not educating the population. Yep. Yes, you're right. This situation has sparked up a lot of interest. And I'm happy for that. And I'm fucking thank you for the athletes and the mental health issue. But because I ask questions like why, when, where, how long, it doesn't make me a person that is discrediting her or calling her a liar. Or I don't hate her. I think if you really care about mental health, you should be asking the fucking questions. You should be the hardest, most skeptical motherfucker on the planet. Because you're defending something that means the world to you. Yeah. So you can't just wash your way in. What do you mean, mental health? Well, there's a lot of pressure. Pressure breeds diamonds. Come at me with something else. How long has it been lasting? When did it happen? Mm. Oh, but I'm scared. Scared of what? Ask that to your family member. People are now going to use this buzz phrase as a way to generate and make everything a complacent blanket hey we're all um now we can't even ask somebody can call off and be like hey i'm having a bad mental health day let me tell you something right now on this fucking podcast if you're doing that because you're a piece of shit you are a motherfucker if you're calling that's like putting a fake handicap sign and parking in a handicap bro fuck you dog and i'm a piece of shit if you call in or you decide to pull the mental health card on somebody because you don't want to deal with a problem because you're just being an asshole and you want to miss a day of work, you're a piece of shit. And now somebody's, somebody might say, yeah, but we all know our mental health. Yes, I do know my knee. I also know my body. I just had an endoscopy, bro. You know why? Because I don't know what's going on to the depth. If you know your mental health, if you're asking the right questions, and you're really adamant about mental health, seek professional help. Mm. If, you're real, if you're real about it, we can see coaches, nutritionists, we go to car dealers, we go to mechanics, but you're telling me, I know my mental health and I'm super passionate about it. Okay, when's the last time you see a therapist? No, I mean, I don't really need it because I feel like I'm in, I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Or, you know, I can really deal with myself or I was talking to my mom about it. I'm like, fucking kidding me. Yeah. Why do we wash down psychology? Why do we wash down the most intricate? Just because something is intricate does not mean you cannot study it. The mind is something that we may never figure out. But obviously, and I hate that they call psychology a soft science. It makes me fucking sick. There are studies that are completely replicated over and over and over, over decades after criticism from society that can prove to you the difference between depression disorder, anxiety disorder, and you just having a fucking bad day because your cat died. Yeah. There's a fucking difference, and we deserve to ask these questions from these situations. 
And I asked the question on Instagram. What if that was a man? I can tell you right fucking now, right now, he would be fucking crucified. Torched. For the most part. Which I'm only asking because look how we perceive mental health. Many of us have given, have become a gender bias. Mental health kids not give a fuck about gender or anything. That's why I asked the question. Not because I'm trying to be like men's empowerment hashtag, which is one of my favorite things. I love teasing people. <laughs> but how do we see things? Do we treat athletes different? Do we treat men different? Obviously, we do we treat women different in this aspect? How are you educating yourself? What depth of intellect are we going? What questions are you asking? Do you treat your son the same way your daughter? Do you treat your father the same way you do your mother with mental health? We ourselves are guilty of this. Me, if I can tell you right now, like I would be like, you fucking pussy. But normally I call everybody a pussy, so I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. Man or woman, I'm like, you're a fucking pussy. Yeah. But what, what's in our head? And so I thought that that was the most fucking like quintessential concept of this whole thing. Everyone was making, a lot of people were making excuses for her. She's, she hasn't brought up a single one other than I didn't want to break my fucking neck. Because I was getting the twisties or whatever in the air. Okay. She didn't bring up previous trauma. She, no. She womaned up, but everyone wanted to do that. Go, first of all, stop that. Yeah. But let us see what this is happening. And I'll tell you what, as a coach, and I'll tell you right now, man, a lot of coaches will say, and this is something that came up. Well, I don't want them to go what I went through. And I'm going to pull them out. And I think mental health is blah, blah, blah. I go, okay. You have the luxury of saying that of having been learning so much. And I'll ask you a bigger question. When do you allow your athlete to learn for themselves? When do you allow them to push through that barrier so they can know what a fight feels like? Mm -hmm. That's a very slippery slope, and I'm going to challenge you. When do you say don't quit? At risk of limb, career, real serious injury, because injury really fucks with your mental health. Yeah. loss the ability to not use your leg the same way ever again and you're that coach that pulls the fucking trigger on that but then what if you don't what if that person never feels the greatness of overcoming fear what if you suddenly start pulling them away from any challenge they'll never have the courage you have they'll never have the perseverance you have it's a slippery slope and i think it's a fucking question worth asking educate yourself you're right. Mental health is an individual uh, thing. Each person is different, but there is a baseline of understanding. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Everyone does squats differently, but there is a baseline of understanding. We can talk about that, but then mental health, because it's a soft science, everyone gets a free ticket. Everyone's like, yeah, mental health. I'm like, yo, hey, I'm glad that this is a topic of a conversation, but most people do not have the professionalism and the education to use this terminology. It's like saying, again, this was the hot topic buzzword 15, 20 years ago. Depression. I'm depressed. Now it's it's not good for my mental health. I'm like, I would challenge you to say, what the fuck does that mean? And I think that's the biggest picture of what we fucking talk about. Have I been presented with this situation my whole fucking life? Never more so than a coach and an athlete. Never more so. And they said, you know, the weight of the world, I understand this. And I don't mean to fucking, to minimize everything. But right. sometimes your world is a child. 
Sometimes your world is the family that's starving across the fucking country and you have no choice but to fucking do what you got to do. Sometimes your world is an idea. And I'm not saying because he literally has that weight of that world. I'm not comparing this to you. But you must understand. Pressure breeds diamonds. Do I disagree with her as an athlete? You fucking bet your dick. And if anybody who knows me and you all do, you know that I would have gone out there and fucked myself. You're right. I've already done it for life. But that doesn't let me say, that doesn't ex- allow me to say, well, fuck her. She's a coward. No fucking way. Yeah. And I think that's where we start to kind of mix up things. We disagree what she did. That doesn't mean I hate her or disrespecting her. And I think we as a society need to kind of understand that. But to make full circle, this is going to make the topic of mental health blow up. And now you as a person who has an opinion, because your opinion matters. Everyone's opinion matters. You as a person that is educated, an American who has easy access to everything in the world, start doing your due diligence. When somebody pulls that card, don't just automatically cater to them. Ask them, why? What's wrong? Do you want to talk about it? This is my advice to you and a person that's been, has saved lives in this conversation. I don't mean to be figurative, figurative, yeah. I literally have had to pull people out of really dark areas with that question. And not allowing mental health to just be a blanket of, okay, this is not an employment center. If that's your friend and they say, man, I'm not good in my mental health. Okay, bro, it's cool, man. I get it. I mean, you know you. Don't worry about it. And then you don't see them no more. Oh, you must be good. Bullshit. You want to have a drink? Who have you talked to about this? How long has this been happening? I don't hate my friend. I don't dislike him. Yeah. I'm not criticizing him. I want to know the truth. I want to see if I can help. Obviously, we can't help Simone Biles from here. And I don't generally, she doesn't give a fuck who I am. But we can use her example to help the rest of us. Mm-hmm. How she did it, how she went about it, I don't even want to bring that shit up. Because honestly, if you want to know my opinion, dog, I'm going to be at Empire Cigar Shop later tonight. You want to sit down for a real fucking conversation when I can say whatever the fuck I want. But let's be real here. Yeah. For those of us who have seen, lost, and struggled through mental health, when it is blindly accepted, it should be infuriating to you. It is not okay. You can't pull that card and just let that shit slide by. Not okay. And I'm challenging everybody on this fucking live and on this fucking podcast. When you fucking hear it, I am challenging you to fucking go in depth on this because this subject means the fucking world to me. So, yeah, I'm passionate. You want to come at me with a discussion, bro? Que rico. Let's do it. Because I've been talking about this since fucking 20, dog. So I am really passionate about the questions that I've asked for. And I think as a society, we can all opinion, opinionate and have conversation and be different and get somewhere yeah. and start outlining what's okay and what's not a free pass or get out of jail free or get the fuck out of hard situations for free card. There's a, it's okay to say that, bro. Yeah. yeah, you're right. She did what was best for herself. Good for that. We don't have to applaud that all the time. It was a team event. I'd be pissed. That doesn't mean I fucking hate her. That doesn't mean, oh, you can't say that because you don't know. You know, no, I know. Maybe not that specifically. Mm. So let's 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 challenge each other. Mental health should be it should be something that is pushing you. You shouldn't easily accept that conversation and that that decision making bullshit. Because I've been there, bro. I've been there. 
So I hope that fucking answers that fucking. It's not even a question. It should be a fucking purpose. If you're really about it, son, if you're really about it and you're not here trying to pay the fucking, because you know what's going to happen next week? 99% of the people are going to be like, oh, I don't know about it. Because, you know, something happens next week. Yeah. No, bro. For those of us who live and breathe and die enforcing, embracing, and trying to encourage and push forward the ideas of mental health, the education of it, the specificity, the actual application by a professional, the science behind it, this is fucking part of a long series of battles, bro. And I hope you motherfuckers really push yourself and get through it. And I hope that fucking helps you guys out. We're going to go back out to off the live real quick because I feel like I am just gutting people's souls in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I went after it. It, I um and I, I'll tell you, and it, you know, obviously speaking off Instagram live, yeah. I I I. <laughs> it you can be a person, um, that this is like I I I get it. I part of me is like is mad, you know, at her actions and stuff like that, but that's just my ego. I can admit it to you. That's just my ego. The, yeah. I could, I would have done this, and I know what I would have done. As I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to tell you, and I think we all know in this room and on this podcast what Michael De La Power would have done. Yep. But if you disagree with me, please, by all means, tell me. But you know what I would have done, especially <laughs> at that stage for my team. Yeah. Yo me muero in a bar fight like a dumbass for my friend <laughs> when we're sober <laughs> for a gold medal. And this comes up the conversation. You know, they said, I don't know when this experiment was, but it was a whole, you know, get the Olympics and die in four years. You know, you're aware of that experiment. Mm -hmm. They asked Olympians, if you can take a pill and you'd win the gold medal, but you'd die four years after doing it, would you take the pill? You know how many people said yes? 85 percent. I heard this in my 20s when I was fighting. And I said, if I had a pill where I can be the best Muay Thai champion in the world in my 30s and die in four years, I'll take it right now. I was young, <laughs> I, w- I probably would answer that question differently now because I feel like my purpose has shifted, but not that much. I would look so sick with a gold medal in the casket. Though. I would fucking, fucking sick. I might bury me with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yep. Now let's ask this question again. If we ask it right now, I would, I would say that many would say yes. Maybe not 85%, maybe 80, you know, times have changed or so. But when, when are we going to stop applauding that level of self-sacrifice and that courage and that risk that you take of your body to be something you think is bigger than yourself. I'm not going to discredit that. But it's very difficult to applaud it always and then suddenly demonize it. Now, oh, look at the motherfuckers that get hurt for what, bro? For what? I can tell you why. And I had this conversation this morning. And this is me talking about me. I'm not talking about anybody else no more. I can sit here right now and demonize Strongman for what it's done to me. Stupid. I, you know, I'm going to need knee replacement. My spine is fucked. I've lost a lot of friendships. You know, I could have been making more money. I could have been, you know, my, <laughs> I could have been feeling better. I've, I've ruined this shit. I lost my hair. I all these things. I hate it. I was pressured into it. I was and something I didn't really want to do. It wasn't even fun anymore. Okay. 
when I was on top, mm-hmm. it was God. I was the strongest, always. I felt indestructible, unbreakable. Nothing hurt. I was a machine. You looked at me and I was like, well, this fucking guy's here. And that still happens. But it brought me my best friends in my life. It brought me people that I love to my bones. People that I'm willing to die for. Yeah. It has taken me around the world, around the United States. It's brought me respect. Things I would never think could happen. The renown of a stranger. The compliment of a stranger. Things that I never thought it was capable of because who the fuck is Michael De La Pava from West Kendall, Santo Hugo and Noro? Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. It brought me everything. Purpose. It saved my life countless times and it has saved the life of others. And now she's knocking on my door, taking more from me now than ever in my life and I'm older, John, and I'm more tired. And do you think it's okay for suddenly me to go, fuck this? Nah. Nah. I can't quit on something I love because it was there for me. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you. Know the difference between being a fucking Howard and having a mental health issue. And I'm not implying anything. I'm saying look inward. And how many times and where you are in life because you stood for something bigger than yourself. I would say pat yourself on the fucking back. Good for you. There's going to come a time where it's time to put the gloves down, bro. And that's going to come from a place of happiness. Not a place of regret. Not for me, and it shouldn't come to you. I'm telling you right fucking now. I feel it, man, in my heart. When you exhaust your options fighting for something you love, you can lay down in the sand and take a sigh of relief knowing that your days are done. You drop your sword because you want to, not because it fell. And that's the questions and that's the exploration that we need to have. Because where were these questions when life for good? I judge a man or a woman when they're at the bottom as much as I do when they're at the top. And more often than not, they disappoint me more at the top than they do at the bottom. More often than not. Because life at the top makes you fat and complacent now it's I'm too tired i got life i'm hurting huh but when you were feeling good you know and or when you were in the shitter and you had something to fight for you had purpose it was there for you yeah it was that little lighthouse i got something to do i got competitions i got dieting my knees don't hurt so i feel great you know you're everyone loves you and when i hear that mental health i ask you what does that mean to you And it better be more than, well, it's about my well-being. That's putting a blanket over another blanket. Is it your well-being? I'll tell you what mental health is to me, and I've said it before many times. It's all the encompassing tasks and objective that are going to formulate a mental pattern for you to continuously push forward and identifying yourself and overcoming hardships. You must sit with the good as much as you sit with the bad. It is probably more beneficial to you to have slight exposure to hardships than continuously just escaping to the good. And I'm not here condoning abuse and drugs and being in an abusive relationship. Like There's a difference. Those are the extremities of things, the extremes of each thing. 
But let's sit here and ask ourselves a fucking hard question. Are we being fucking cowards? And I mean we. Yeah. I don't even use the term mental health often because to me it should be specified to a situation. This person's mental health has been challenged. There's also the human endeavor, bro. It is the human endeavor to feel down and or happy and or depressed and self-destructive and alone and isolated even though you're amongst people that love you. Mm -hmm. Hmm? I don't want this to become, and I mean this, I don't want this to become, and I hope you don't either, as a blanket get-out-of-jail ticket. I challenge you to challenge anyone that uses it. I challenge you. What is it you're feeling? Where are you going with it? Why are you working through this? Because you know what? That just might save somebody's fucking life. As opposed to, I better not ask about it. Or, you know, hey, let me not, that's the, hey, that's what you, it works for you? Okay. Or, hey, only you know your mental health, so I don't have to do anything about it. That's how your fucking friends get lost, man. Trust me. Now, I've said a lot of things in this fucking podcast, and I understand that we've had a fucking spectrum of concepts on it. And it explained, and it, it started with the, the thing that I wrote and that I felt. I have never given up on training because she has never given up on me. I have made training a human being in my life. I have made it a living, breathing beautiful thing in my life it has given me guidance it has held me crying like a kid it has given me purpose and friends and absolute immortality in what i feel is everything in life that's worth living for it has given a person like me who has no other purpose than to fight on i have it every day training is life And I write this at the beginning because if you really love something, you fight in. And I don't want mental health to just be a way in. It also has to be a way out. It can't be your ticket down. It should be your challenge forward. It should encompass all issues to push you into a direction that you can never Stop fighting. Don't let it be that fucking way. I hope that we dig down deep and all the fucking forward and everything ends and don't be a fucking pussy and these words are all concepts under the save umbrella of the human fucking endeavor. I challenge you. Never let anything slip like sand. Be the fucking pillar. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.